Today's guest on the Manlyhood Mancast has really challenged me, really got me thinking, and I really think it's going to help you get thinking too. Nick Maytash is going to talk to us today about really how to be a better man, and it involves not just lifting weights or being tough or being strong on the outside, but it involves doing some work on the inside. Now, sure, nothing wrong with being tough, nothing wrong with being strong, and I think maybe that might be a part of it, but he's going to talk to us about what that looks like to do the heart work so that we can do the hard work. Let's get into it right after this. You can be a man of courage, of honor, of integrity. You can be the father, the husband, the leader that your family and your community needs. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Hatcher. Listen, I'm really glad that you guys joined us here on the Manlyhood Mancast. Listen, our podcast is growing by leaps and bounds. We've been able to have some amazing, amazing interviews with some amazing guests, coaches and athletes and celebrities and musicians and folks that I really, truly believe are offering you insights into how you can be a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better leader. And we can unpack that even deeper in this movement of manhood if you join us in the Manlyhood Man Cave. It's our private Facebook group. You can hop in there and we're going to get deep. We're going to talk about things. We're going to unpack things. We're going to look into what it means to be a man. We're going to do it together because this is a movement. This isn't just a podcast. This is a movement. And I want you guys to join us and be a part of this together. So that being said, guys, listen, please comment, like, subscribe, share, leave us a review on iTunes, all of the things that you can do to help us get the word out about what we're doing here, because this is good stuff. And I know that you're appreciating it. So help us help others appreciate it as well. So let's get right into this interview today, guys, with Nick Maytash. Welcome, Nick, to the Manlyhood Mancast. I am really glad to have you on the show, man. Uh, We've been talking about doing this for a while and i think it's awesome to be able to have you on thank you man i appreciate it and i'm glad to be here and uh yeah we've we've batted around the idea but as i shared before i have a four-month-old at home so like trying to figure out scheduling and and uh just getting our feet under back underneath us with with having the little one around so i appreciate your patience but i'm glad to be here and, and have the conversation yeah no problem i remember those days uh mine are mostly grown now so I've got one 16 year old left at home and all the rest are on their own. So, uh, it goes like this, it goes (laughs) like this and then it's gone. So, you know, the old guy that walks up to you at the restaurant and says, don't blink, you know, the, he knows what he's talking about, man. It, all right. You'll, you'll find yourself, you'll find yourself being like, man, I could, I just wish they'd get to the next stage. You know, don't, don't wish it away. That's my advice for you right there. So, man, I'll take uh, that. I was actually listening to Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney today, looking at my two kids in the playroom. I'm like, all right, I got to be present here. I can't just, like you're saying, I think that is a, a natural part of being a parent. Like, you want to get through the stage, the tough stage, the not sleeping at night stage. Or, you know, with my toddler, she's got the stubbornness pushing back, back on boundary stage. And we're like, oh, let's just get to the other side of that. But at the same time, when they get to the other side of that stage, then eventually they're 16 or they're out of the house. And you're like, oh, I want, I want them back in diapers again. So I'm, I'm trying to manage the, the wants to get past the difficult and challenging with also knowing that we only get this one time with each kid. So I want to make, be present to that. Definitely. Definitely. It's a challenge, but it's fun. It's worth yeah, every minute sure. of it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So So Nick, you are doing some awesome work. I love the way that you have worded it. It's hard work and heart work. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell me what that is. What's this all about? What what do you do, Nick? Yeah, so I I lead and coach men. The brand that I I kind of carry with me is called The Evolved Man, trying to help men really pair hard work with heart work. Uh, The reason I kind of say it that way is the 
innate way that we are as men is we're kind of program conditioned, uh, put into the world to produce and, and have purpose within the work that we do. So I think naturally most of us know how to work hard or at least have the the concept of action taking built into our masculinity. Like that's not too hard for us to figure out. I mean, some of us take longer than others to develop that or find something we really care about to put some hard work into. But the part of most men that is a little bit handicapped or a little bit um, less than because of the the nature of how we've been taught to go after what we are trying to work towards, make money towards, be the protector providers is our emotional side. So that's the heart work that I mention and, and talk about so often is that um, as men, especially as husbands and fathers, if we can't bring our heart to the work that we're doing in our families and the way that we relate to the people that we care about, there's going to be a lot of disconnect there. There's going to be a lot of um, just days where you're not sure where you stand with your wife or with your kids or even within your business or the work that you're doing in your career. If you're not bringing your heart to it, if you don't have some kind of emotional connection and, and entanglement with the, the way that you're showing up in life, it feels very empty. And there's so many guys out there that are really searching for fulfillment, really searching for getting to that place where they can be at peace and can feel that freedom and can feel connected and loved with, with their family. And all those things that I just mentioned, peace and freedom and love, like those are feelings, those are emotions. And we're so handicapped in that area that, that my work is really focused on giving men the, the skill set and the tool, tool uh, kit, if you will, to understand themselves emotionally so they can start to bring that in to all of the hard work that they're already going to do. Um, because, you know, left to their own devices, I think they're going to go out and probably make a living for themselves, find a way to get a paycheck. That's just kind of what we've been raised to do. It's just the other part of it, especially for family men, like I said, it's so needed and so necessary to be able to share your heart with your wife and be open and present and emotional around your kids in a way that they can see that that's valued and okay for a man to be that way. So that's the big part of my work is giving men that, that skill set that we often are not naturally, um, gifted when we're, when we're kids, young boys and into young men. Um, so that's really at the center of all of it. And then it just gets applied out into all facets of life family, relationships, uh, business and career. I think the relationships and family part is the bigger piece, but it really does apply in all areas. I think that's awesome. There's a lot there, man. The, uh, I know that with the men that I've worked with and even in my own life, I think that the emotion that we men know well is anger. So if we're, if we're happy, but irritated, we're angry. If we're sad, we're angry. I mean, that's just, it's like this default that we learn and it's embedded in us and it's easier, I think. Yeah. And, sure. and that's, and it can be dangerous too, right? Yeah. I was actually talking to uh, a guy who became a client. It was before he was working with me. He said something to the effect of the only emotions I know are happy and sad or happy, happy, sad, and angry. I think were the three ones that he, he brought up and, you know, to your point and to his, like, that it's such a limited language that we have as men that like our emotional language and intelligence and understanding of how we're feeling is so surface level and not, not, it doesn't have a lot of breadth to it. It doesn't have a lot of width to it that we just kind of say, I'm happy, even though maybe it's a different version of happy, or I'm sad, even though maybe it, it's anxious or overwhelmed or frustrated, or, you know, there's so many different pieces of the language that we're missing. And I, I kind of liken it to going to a foreign country and only knowing how to say hello and goodbye. That's what it, that's what it's like to, to live a life and only know happy, sad, and angry. It's such a limited way to kind of experience this thing that naturally is an emotional experience. Like we're walking through, everybody's going to feel anxiety or overwhelm or joy or peace or freedom or love. Like there's so many different, um, experiences emotionally that guys just can't quite put their thumb on, put their finger on. So they just say, I'm angry. And <laughs> it's almost like since they know they're not quite angry, they almost get more angry that they're, that they misunderstand how they're feeling. So it's just like this, this huge, um, just ball of tension of the misunderstanding of how we're feeling and how to ex express that and how to experience it. And it boils down to when you get frustrated with how you're feeling and you don't understand it well, well, it's going to show up as anger. It's going to show up as frustration. And if, if we're not evolved, no pun intended, we will 
lash out and take it out on anything that triggers or pushes the button that innately will get pushed. And oftentimes it's the people that are closest to us that find those buttons because they know us the, the best. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really been eye-opening in all the conversations that I've had with men about this type of, we know anger well, we know happy that we, we have an understanding of what that is. Sad makes sense to us, but there's so many different experiences emotionally that we just don't really understand. And when we're missing the mark and not quite getting it, it feels like we're in a foreign country and only have like three words in our arsenal. And it's like, what else is going on inside of me? I have no idea. And then we just kind of shut that part of us down and go out and live our lives. And one day wake up and like, I'm empty. And why is that? Because we kind of let go of the wants or the the desire to understand what's going on inside of us because it was so confusing and, and there's so much that we don't understand. I think a lot of times we forget that so much of the way we think is formed when we're little. And, yeah, sure. you know, so, you know, in my relationship with my wife, which we, ha I really believe we have a good relationship. I think she sometimes believes we have a good relationship, which I think is probably pretty common for sure. men and women. But um, sometimes we'll run into this wall where she says something and it, it hurts. Mm -hmm. But my reaction then, instead of sadness, anger is easier, you know? And, sure. and it takes a long time, right? To get down to the heart of it. Like, why did that thing she say hurt me? You know? Right. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many things that we uh, we learn as kids that as adults, it, it does take time. It takes, and this is why coaching is so beautiful because you can sit with someone and share an experience like you just shared and say, oh, I got defensive because she said that I was being cheap or something like that. Something random that doesn't need to have a defensive response, but because maybe you have an experience of someone else saying you were cheap, or maybe there was a childhood thing around money that was weird. You have this weird reaction. And when you have someone in front of you that has no emotional attachment to your story and everything that you've gone through, they can be like, this is the reason why you're reacting the way that you are. And you can start to see it a little bit more objectively and untie some of those, those like knots that are within you. Um, because everybody has those, you know, it, and like I said, the people that are closest to you will push those buttons, not because they want to, but because they spend the most time with you. They know you the most intimately and they, they will just kind of trip over those, those, those little tripwires time and time again. And we can, and this is something I think men do a lot, just see it as this is, this is the fight that we have. This is the pattern that we have. This is, this, this is who we are. This is who I am. But if you can look at that piece of defensiveness and say, that's where my work is. I, I got to figure out what, what's going on here. That's where the beauty of personal growth becomes like, it, uh, it, it becomes self-evident because you can start to look at those parts of you or those parts of those conversations and conflicts as feedback, as something that you can grow from. I think there's a lot of closed-minded guys, women, doesn't even matter, that just see it as, oh, here's this fight again, and there's nothing we can do about it. But if we actually looked at it as, this is the place where my, my growth gets to begin. Now, maybe in a year, maybe in six months, that fight doesn't happen anymore because you've resolved the cause of it. You've resolved the story of why that's frustrating to you. And then you can move through it to a different level rather than staying in the same cycle. I had a mentor tell me that uh, we are like a sponge, you know, and you put the sponge down in the dirty dishwater and then you leave it out on the counter. And if you come up and you, apply pressure to that sponge what's on the inside of it comes out right yeah and if it's if it's got clean water in it then that's what comes out so you know i i think that that kind of reminds me of that you know we've got stuff going on man and we've got wrong ideas that we believe and you know things we've held on to we need to let go and we'll stir them up i know we kind of got deep fast man i just uh i like being in the depths that's good <laughs> I also like that you can be in the depths while wearing a Scott's Tots t-shirt, which totally, totally just made my day. And <laughs> it's got spit up on the shoulder, but I'm glad that you at least noticed the Scott's Tots. Yes, that's a, a great reference. So, well, and anybody that, that anybody that doesn't appreciate it, just going to have to Google it and find out. So there we my go. Wife, <laughs> my wife got me this for Christmas for my office. I have yet to hang it, but it's in the office ready to go. 
My son Isaiah has watched, I think, 14 times the entire series. That's amazing. He just, he was looking for something to watch and there wasn't anything good. So he just watched The Office again. And again, yeah. and again, and yeah. again. Good yeah. for him, man. I love that. Pretty sure he's got it all memorized now. So, <laughs> as do I. Cheers to that. That's awesome. So, tell me about, um, you know, what, what does this look like? You know, what does coaching with you look like? You know, uh, if, if somebody's like, Hey man, let's do this. I need to get, need to get right. And they call you up. What, what does that process look like? Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. You asked me on a day like today, I had a conversation with a guy and he, um, he's committed to the process as of today. So, you know, it's, it's a very recent conversation that I can kind of pull from on this. And, um, it varies from guy to guy, but I kind of break it up into four different phases in the work that I do. So the first phase is really just building a foundation of self-care and self-love. Um, basically, a morning routine, some form of daily routine that you're showing up, kind of checking a box that shows that I've done something for myself today and understanding the reason why meditation is important physiologically, but also emotionally. The reason why getting a workout and moving your body is good for your emotion and your, and your mental state. Um, you know, those, those things that you'll read in most personal development things, that's the first phase, just setting the foundation and saying, here's why this is in every personal development book that you've ever read, because it's important. And we should have some of these things in place before we get into the depths of your emotional state and your mindset. Because if we have this foundation to build on, we can start plugging these very powerful principles into something that is kind of already churning. So the first phase is really getting some of those basics down. Second phase is I call the heart phase. And that's really digging into their emotional side and understanding who they uniquely are emotionally. And this is like I was saying in the beginning, this is something that so many guys are handicapped with. Um, so I, I, I want to give them the space to understand that one feeling your, your feelings is important and it, it should not be judged or shamed. Uh, secondly, we all kind of have our own palette of emotions that mean something to us. And I think it varies from guy to guy. Um, for me specifically, the, the emotions that I value and make sure are part of my life frequently are love and freedom and joy. So I always kind of tell them like the reason I, I understand that, or the reason that that's important is if I know that I value love and freedom and joy, if I go too long without feeling love, freedom, and joy, I feel disconnected. I feel off. I feel like, you know, I'm just going through the motions. So by understanding that that's what I value emotionally, I'm sure to do something like that, something that kind of triggers that or, or brings that to the table for me every single day. So that second phase for those guys is really understanding what does that look like for them? What are the things that you value emotionally? What are you doing daily to, to kind of harness and, and embrace freedom or harness and embrace joy or peace? Um, because once they get that, they can plug that into that foundation of phase one and really start churning through daily practices that bring about what they value emotionally. Then the third part is really looking at their mindset and their their the stories, the, all the stuff that you kind of mentioned, all the things that you learned from, from your childhood, your experiences, all the beliefs that aren't true, all the things that are disempowering and getting in your way um, so that we can start to catch them as they try to, to stand in our way. Um, so the first part again is habits. Second part is heart second, or third part is head mindset. And then the last part is really taking all of this stuff and putting it into action and then putting the blinders on. And what I mean by that is, as you learn, and I'm sure you've experienced this both for yourself, but also your clients, as you implement and start learning new things, it feels great. It feels, it feels like a high to have a new piece of, of information or a new perception to apply to your life. But naturally, you're going to get back into the daily routines of life. There's going to be things that come your way that are going to tempt you to come back to the old you. They're going to pull you back. They're going to be old, you know, old partners, old friends, people kind of trying to cut you down and bring you back to the old self. So the, the fourth phase is really solidifying all of the parts from the first three phases so that we can protect this new perception, this new way of life, this new way of being. Um, so that when you get to the end of the whole program, the whole process, not only do you have the information and the, and the concepts, but you have the experience and you have the tools in place that will always keep them around rather than this, you know, I've, I've had experiences of being coached myself where I've learned a lot, but three months later, 
the principles have started to fade because I didn't have things and tools that could, I, you know, I could show up to daily or something that I could always remind myself of so that I, I didn't get tempted by my old self or my ego that wanted to pull me back to where I was. So the fourth phase is really just how can we make sure that this is solid, intact, and you are like, you know, running full sprints ahead rather than doing a couple steps and then thinking about the way that you used to do things. Um, so that's, that's kind of the layout in general, but the, the second and third phase is really where the meat of the process is, where we're really digging into their heart. What is their emotion? Uh, what is their emotional center, their emotional drivers? And then also, what is your mindset? What are you thinking about? What are you believing in? What are the things that you have thought were true that are in fact not that have kept you stuck? Um, and then just really binding that all together in that last phase so that they can hit the ground running. And whether they continue with me or not, they have everything that they need to kind of succeed on their own. Like I always joke and say like my, if I've done my job well, you shouldn't need me forever. It's good to have support in, in, in your corner for a while, just so you have someone to check in with um, and, and have in your corner. It's great. Like I, I always have some form of support, but I, I don't want to build out a clientele or a client roster that is, I'm their crutch. I'm the person that they always have to come to and run to when something comes up. I want them to have the skill set and the tools to do it on their own. And if they feel like they're just going to continue to work with me so that they have the support in their corner, cool. But I don't want it to be a continual process of them leaning on me for their greatness. I want their greatness to come through in that first, you know, 12 to 16 week process. And then from there, it's just, let's put this on cruise control and let it keep building and have that trajectory moving up. And I'm there if they need me, but it's not like I'm continuing to bolster them up forevermore. Cause I find like that, that can be um, in terms of what the coaching industry is like that. I, that's a, a part of it that I don't love that some guys just, they want you in their program program and process forever because it's money to them, but you don't learn the autonomy and the independent things that you signed up for that you can do it on your own. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I've seen that happen too, where you have people that are, in counseling or in some kind of program and they just still keep being miserable and they don't get any better, you know? Right. Right. Uh, it's almost like a pacifier. Like you, you pay this person so that you feel like you're doing the work, but you're not like you, you're just in the conversation. You're showing up and, and checking the box and paying the person. So to your ego, to your mind, you're like, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm getting counseling. I'm getting coaching. And it feels good to say that to someone else. But if you're really doing the process and, Let's also trust that the coach on the other side of it or the counselor on the other side of it knows their stuff. It shouldn't be a forever thing, at least in that relationship. You should have continual support, I think, but it shouldn't be from the same person always being your crutch. Nick, tell me about your own journey. What did this look like for you? Um, so for me, I kind of joke that my wife was my, my gateway drug to all of this stuff. Um, the reason I say that is, you know, I didn't, I didn't pick up a personal development book. I wasn't interested in podcasts. I wasn't doing any of this stuff. Uh, even when I was dating my wife, you know, I was just content with enjoying my time with her. I wasn't, I didn't have the larger picture, larger purpose when we were just dating. It felt fun. It felt freeing and all of that stuff. But then once we got engaged and then married, it was like, as soon as I said, I do, it was boom, switch was flipped. Now I'm a husband. That means something. That means I'm not in charge of, but I'm, ta I'm, I'm, I'm here to take care of someone rather than just coexist and be around them and be like a, a partner to them. I'm here to support like that masculine part of me just really switched on. Um, and obviously we had plans of, of having kids at some point. So that was also in the background of that switch. But as soon as I became a husband, it was like, okay, so what, what is it that makes a good husband. I was a good guy. I wasn't like a schmuck or anything, but I wanted to be the absolute best that I could for my wife and our eventual kids. So that just opened up this very large rabbit hole that is personal development and, and self-growth and all that stuff. Um, yeah, just went down the, the, the rabbit hole for my own good. Bunch of books, bunch of podcasts, eventually hired mentors and everything like that. And, um, you know, through that process of learning so much for myself, I was like, my, like, I just wanted to tell everyone like, Hey guys, like, this is the stuff that I'm learning. Can you, and, and my friends, I love them, but they're not <laughs> interested. 
they don't care. And like, that's, that's fine. Um, but anyway, the, the part of it that kind of turned around into me being a coach and someone that's leading others is, um, my background is education. So I actually still, I'm, I'm still teaching in some capacity, but for over a decade now, I've, I've been a teacher of, I've, I've taught math. So I have built a career off of teaching difficult information to kids that aren't ready to hear it. Essentially, that's what math is in a nutshell, right? So I have this skill set of of communicating information that might be difficult to understand, and I take that skill set and I bring it to some of these concepts that I'm learning about personal developments and understanding my emotions and understanding my mindset and everything like that. And I was like. I just, I, I feel like all of this stuff is so powerful and so important that there's guys out there that are struggling or maybe feel like they want to be in the same situation or scenario that I was back then. They want to be a great husband. They want to be a great father. They want to do awesome stuff, but they have no idea where to start. And it might just be because they don't quite understand some of these concepts. So I started to, to slowly but surely position myself as someone who could help. And that came through the form of a blog. So I had this blog called Moving Past Mediocre for a while, um, just kind of sharing that on social media. Hey, I'm posting these things, posting links to everything. And that kind of slowly but surely became this thing. Where like, oh, what are you doing over there? What's going on? What are you learning about? Can I pay you that? It was just a very natural and organic thing from there. And then once I kind of had a bit of a coaching practice. I really enjoyed writing. That's where the blog came from. So I ended up writing a book called Moving Past Mediocre. Um, and then just continued to, to put my foot on the pedal and, and let the coaching thing become what it wanted to be or needed to be. And truth be told, when my daughter was born, so she's three, we have a four month old, my son, uh, Henry, and then my daughter, Lucy, was she's about three years and three months. But when she was born, I didn't have any clients. Like I had not burnt myself out, but it was just kind of that lull period between clients and what have you. And I just looked at my life and I was like, there's, there's no way that I build a coaching practice anymore. There's just no time in the day. I'm, I'm teaching, trying to have this coaching business. Now we have this daughter who's, you know, our, our focus of our lives. And what was crazy was that was the thing that made my coaching business explode because at least this is my perception. And I think it's an empowering one. That's why I keep talking about it is, when I became a dad, that kind of cemented that purpose for me. Like the, the switch was made when I became a husband. When I became a dad, all the stuff that I had learned about, you know, all of the emotional stuff that was important, expressing emotion and all of these things and understanding your mindset and getting through tough times, it was, it was all in play at that point. I was using it rather than just learning it. And that's when I started to coach in a meaningful way. And I also valued my time more at that point, rather than just kind of winging it around and giving away free sessions and all this stuff. Like, like if I'm going to give you an hour of my time while my daughter's upstairs in my, in, with my wife, you're going to pay me. And it was almost like this stake in the ground. Like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And that was, um, yeah, that was kind of where the coaching business became, at least in my mind, serious um, because of just how much I was applying what I knew. And now I could also bring it back to, to, you know, my clients and, you know, use personal experience and share with them, you know, tough times that I had gotten to the other side of because of the principles that I had learned. And, you know, that's so, so Lucy was born three years ago. And from there, it's just kind of been an upward trajectory. And um, it's been awesome. It's been beautiful. I've, I've been very privileged to coach and lead a lot of guys, many of them fathers and husbands, similar to, you know, that place that I was in that just wanted to continue to improve or found themselves in a tough spot, didn't know how to make it through tough times as a husband or a father and, and just needed a little bit of guidance on that. And things have kind of flowed since then. And, and then the evolved man part of it just came out, I would say within the last year, I felt like there, I looked at the coaching space and the industry and obviously you and I are friends on Facebook and I'm sure we're friends with a lot of the same people. I just felt like there was a, a void in this this heart work piece of it the the hard work and heart work that i speak to um that i wanted to make sure was being filled and honored and acknowledged and that was uh kind of another piece of this that that allowed things to grow a little bit more because i was no longer just talking about random personal development it was really centered in let's talk about your emotions guys because you don't know anything about them and then you should um so yeah it's it's kind of been 
this gradual unfolding and you know there's been highs there's been lows as anything in life but overall it's it's been a fun ride i've, I've definitely enjoyed dipping my toes into the water and then eventually just jumping all jumping all in i think that there's a real need for this with masculinity today i think that you know while there is kind of this growing movement that's out there that we're seeing where there's guys like us that are doing this just in general, I think that men are feeling like it's almost wrong or bad to be who they are, to, to, to think the way they do and just to be male. And, you know, I mean, we could talk forever about the causes behind that. And I never want to be like, we men should play the victim about it, obviously. But I do think that there's a crisis, you know, of where our, we, we've got a, a generation that learned it's bad to show emotion. And now we have a generation that is learning that they can just feel whatever they want and let their feelings be the most important thing. And meanwhile, nobody's doing the hard work of sorting it out and actually being healthy, you know? Sure. So I think, yeah. I think there's a need for this now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, naturally in, in all things, when you're running so far on one end of the spectrum, um, there is a, a notion that you just sprint to the other side and eventually things will balance themselves out. Like, you, so you were speaking to like, there's a generation of, of several generations of guys that just didn't feel anything because they were told not to. And then like, we started to awaken to the fact like feeling your emotions is important, both for your mental health and just for the experience of life. So we should feel feelings. You run to the other end of the spectrum and all of a sudden, like, feeling your feelings is the most important thing. Everything else doesn't matter. So somewhere in the middle, and then I will even speak to this for myself. I, I, I was kind of sprinting to the other side. And I think as I've gone further into my journey as a business owner, gone into my further into my journey as a father and a husband, I've realized that there needs to be more balance as well. It can't just be one or the other. Um, you know, I, but I, I do think that with, with anything where you've seen, something be problematic on one end of the spectrum, the natural thing is to swing aggressively into the other side. And eventually you'll kind of get on the other side and be like, right, this is too much as well. We need to find our way back to the middle. And I think that's, again, the hard work versus hard work paired with the heart work and, and knowing that both are okay and both are valued and both can be a beautiful thing and a beautiful expression of masculinity. Um, you know, one story that I shared in, in uh, my book is that, you know, when my daughter was first born, she was a newborn, she was very colicky. I don't know if you experienced that with any of your kids, but uh, you know, naturally because, and this is before I really got into the depths of what I understand and, and teach now as a coach, but because of, of what I assumed to be the case for, for myself as a husband and father, like I had to shoulder a lot of the pressure. I felt like I had, I put all this pressure on my shoulders to get us through that colicky storm, right? So the one early morning, she wasn't going back down. I'm rocking her, I'm rocking her. She just wasn't having it. And I tried to get her back down to go to sleep five, six times. Varied ways of, <laughs> of trying to do that. And she just wasn't having it. And I remember I woke my wife up. I'm like, listen, I, I can't get her back down and I'm, I'm about to crack. So I just need you to step in. My, my wife, a, a lovely woman and a, an amazing partner was like, yeah, sure. I got it. Of course she gets up and gets her back down within like probably 30 seconds. But in that time, <laughs> yeah. I, I step out of the room to gather myself. I go downstairs to the kitchen and I take this deep breath. And I just thought I needed a moment to catch my breath and like, just to center myself. And what happened was I took a deep breath and then it was just like, I started bawling because of the pressure that I had put on myself for those first three months and not having a, a place to express it, not having to, um, you know, think or not thinking that it was okay to do that. And, you know, so that, again, speaking to that spectrum, I thought that I had to be strong and stoic and, and be the man and, and get us through and power through. And those emotions rolled out of me. I ran to the other end of the spectrum and it felt great. Like I was a hundred percent better afterward. I walked back into the bedroom. My wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, I actually feel amazing. Because I just cried my eyes out in the kitchen for a little while and I needed to, but so many guys just either don't allow themselves to get there or don't see that as valuable and they just continue on this path. So it is really about the balance. And I think most guys will find that it's just a matter of 
not waiting until something breaks you to find it. Like I, I had a very small breaking point. It was just, you know, this 3 a.m. experience where I was crying my ass out of, over all the pressure I had exerted on myself. But so many guys get to, you know, 20 years into their career and then they have a breakdown, midlife crisis. Or some guys get, you know, past some kind of tragedy or some kind of tragic, uh, you know, loss in their life. That's when they have the breakdown. But realizing that before those breakdowns happen, we can actually kind of, I kind of liken it to letting air out of the balloon instead of letting it pop. If you're letting and expressing, expressing your emotions and allowing that to be a part of who you are as you're doing the hard work, letting air out of the balloon is, is a safe and healthy way to do that. But so many guys are just letting the balloon build up and then it pops. And then we have a lot of stuff to clean up <laughs> because it, it, it has ruptured, if you will. But it's, it's much healthier and more appropriate to allow it out a little bit at a time. It's just a matter of seeing that before the breakdown. There's a lot of guys that wait for the breakdown. I had a very mini breakdown. I'm, I'm grateful it was as small as it was. It was you know 10 minutes of just me having a moment and then it was over. But so many guys have six months of a moment or a year of a moment, two years of grief and depression because they don't know who they are and can't figure it out. And it's just a matter of seeing it ahead of the curve and allowing it to happen and allowing some of that stuff to come, come through beforehand. It's essential. Yeah. I, uh, that story reminds me of one that I recently had too. My, my dad passed away a couple of years ago. He was my best friend. He was, we were really yeah. close and, uh, it was not an easy process just losing him, you know, that was hard. And then, you know, the grief, gosh, you know, they say it never goes away. It just turns into a different kind of grief. Uh, you know, uh, earlier this year, we were watching this TV show and it happened to be on the night, you know, the anniversary of losing dad and this TV show, uh, this girl loses her dad mm. and, you know, and it was a very similar kind of way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just like, I'm like, why did we watch this tonight? <laughs> you know? And I walked outside and it was January and it was like 20 below and I walked outside and barefoot in the snow and I cried for like 10 minutes and sure. you know, it hurt, man, it hurt. But it was like, at the same time, I was like, I don't think I had done that in a while, you know, because when you're grieving and you're trying to have raise kids or whatever, you got life to do, you know, you don't have time for that. And you kind of need to take the time. Yeah. Little by little, you know, acknowledging that it's okay to have like, you know, I've had clients that have lost parents. I had a couple of clients that lost parents during COVID and all of that stuff. And one of them was displaced from them and couldn't get to them. So there's just a lot of emotion, obviously that that's bottled up in that. Um, and they felt they had to be strong for their parents or for their, for their mom. They had to be strong for their siblings from afar. You know, there's so many things that we think that we have to do. You know, you mentioned you have a family, you just kind of have to get through. You have to find your way through it. And yeah, like giving yourself permission to feel it along the way and knowing that that's okay. And that's valuable and valid is huge because I, I think that your moment probably was similar to mine. It was needed, you know, just let that stuff out, let it go. And, and, and that's, a, that's completely good. But so many guys are just convinced that that's not what we're supposed to do. Like our, our job is to power through, get to the other side, time heals all wounds as they say, but like time doesn't heal the wound. Time just makes it hurt less because you're further away from it what heals the wound or at least allows it to, to like scab over and not be so painful is addressing it and feeling it and allowing it to, to be acknowledged. Um, because it, the time part of that, that phrase is just like you, you don't forget about it, but you forget about how visceral the pain was. You know, I'm sure that with your, with your dad passing the moment that, you know, that came to be or the, the day and the days after that was as, as painful as it could be time just allows you to forget or just the, the um, idea of what went on there, it lessens and lessens and lessens. But the pain of your dad not being there, that, that doesn't lessen. It's a matter of addressing that and accepting that and, and grieving his loss that allows it to not kind of uh, not get in your way, but not keep you in this prison of grief for the rest of your life and keep you pinned down, you know? One thing that I've been thinking about lately is, you know, 
we need we need proper avenues to express those emotions. You know, sometimes people can't handle it, you know, and, and they should be able to, but, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of times maybe a, a wife is a good example where she wants her husband to be emotionally intimate with her. And then when she sees what's on the inside, she's like, Oh, I don't want that. <laughs> too you much, know? man. Too much. Yeah. yeah. Wait, you, wait, you're like talking about these things. No, if that's what, no, never mind. But so, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's really, you know, you, you probably agree and maybe you can share a little bit about it, but I think it's important that we have healthy ways to express it, healthy outlets. You know, I know for me, I love music and I love to be able to, you know, pick up my guitar or I love poetry, you know, I mean, people don't think of that as a masculine endeavor, but that's only recently that we've kind of girlified it, you know, and, you know, I'll write, I'll write out those thoughts and, and write out those feelings. And it, it gives me that avenue to get it out so that it's not just jumbled in my head. Yeah, man. I mean, I, you know, some people, I think I posted about this like the other day, like some guys joke about people having safe spaces, like, Oh, you need a safe space. But I think safe spaces are really essential, especially for men having somewhere, whether it be a group or, or a partner that you can go share these things with. And, and to your point about, you know, sharing things with your wife and having a bit, have them having a bit of resistance. I think, all of us, males and females, have some conditioning about ma- like the the appropriateness of a, a man expressing his emotion. So even our partners, our wives, are like, that's not really what you're supposed to do, man. Like that's that, like the part of their unconscious brain is like, that's not really your part of this relationship. So when we start to share our heart or our grief or our frustration, they just like uh, most of us, like have this unconscious thought, like, I, I don't know what to do with this because this isn't supposed to be your role here. So it, it, it does require having some space where one, it's accepted and normalized and, and um, okay for, for a guy to get into to whatever they need to get into. You know, this is why, um, you know, for a while there, I had a membership group and it was a beautiful space for, for guys to just be like, this is what I'm going through. And no judgment. It's just, it is what it is. And like knowing that that's a safe space to do that is, is essential or, uh, you know, therapy groups and grief groups or anything like that, where a guy knows that he can share himself and not be judged. It's a beautiful thing. And with, with our partners too, I think it's, it's a, it's as we learn that it's okay and accepted for us to have our, our emotions and be able to express them, they'll slowly start to kind of grapple with it and understand that it's okay. You know, my wife, has definitely seen me cry. She's definitely seen me be emotional about things. I would say most of the time I'm not. I'm the the steady hand. I'm the calm, cool, collected guy. But I've had my moments. You know, I've. Um, I remember last. So every Father's Day, and Father's Day is coming up this weekend. I go into my office, and I uh, after my my daughter was born, I committed to writing a book um, about fatherhood. And every year on Father's Day, I sit in my office and I write one chapter, and eventually you know, that'll build up into some form of a book that I can share with the world about my experience of being a dad. And um, this past, was it this past one? I think in 2020, when I sat down to write my chapter, I actually ended up writing about our dog that had passed away within the last year because she was like our first baby before we had babies. And it was just something that I felt like I needed to share and kind of grappling with the grief of losing her while also being a dad and a husband and, and knowing that they had their emotions and I had my whatever. So I'm writing this chapter. My wife came down to check on me because I had been taken a while and she walks in and she's like, what's going on? Like, how is your chapter going? Are you, are you okay? And I just like lost it. (laughs) And I just like, I, I knew why I was spending so much time writing it was because it was, it was something that was heavy I was reflecting on this loss that I had and now I have her tattooed on my arm and like she was, she was our baby. And um, so my wife comes in and sees me lose it. And I mean, God bless her. She just kind of stood there and rubbed my back. And I know that in other relationships or even maybe earlier on in my relationship with my wife, she would have been like, what the, what the fuck's going on? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but she just like knew that it was important for me to have that experience. And I felt safe and that's a beautiful thing. And yeah, it's, it's very needed, very necessary because when a guy thinks that it's not safe to have these expressions of emotion that are essential for us to kind of filter out and and release the stuff that doesn't feel good, 
we just hold on to it. And when we hold on to it, it literally creates disease. It literally will mess with our physiology because we're holding all this energy inside of our body that's like toxic. It's like sludge. It's like having the, the pink sludge from McDonald's just floating through your, your heart and your soul. And if you don't have a place that you can unload some of that, it gets really, really heavy. I've talked to some guys that, you know, they're 40 or 50 years old and they've never been able to have a conversation like they can have with me. And they're just like, fuck man, that I needed to unload that. So thank you. But I, I can't believe I've walked 20 or 30 years of adulthood without letting some of this stuff out. Um, and it's, it, it, I've just noticed more and more that it's needed and necessary. And I'm, I'm grateful that there's more guys and men that see it as valuable. Whereas I think when I first started or even, you know, a decade ago, if somebody said like, let's talk about emotions, just like, what do you No, No, thank you. <laughs> I, I'd rather talk about fantasy football or uh, any other thing that would be very surface level. That was kind of the, the mode of operation, but it seems like there's been more awareness to the value of that emotional side of a man. And I'm, I'm grateful for it because it's so, so necessary. So you mentioned this in there and it reminds me of a book that I read. It's called Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's a, a Christian author and a scientist. So it, it's framed within that perspective, but it's, um, she says really interesting things about the fact that she gives some really amazing statistics about the way that our thoughts and our emotions can literally turn into heart disease, stress, you know, like, I think she said like 80% of, of diseases are because of that happening, you know, emotions yeah. and thoughts that aren't properly processed because they turn in, you know, stress creates hormones, which creates weight gain, which creates heart disease, you know, and it, it's, it's really interesting to think about, you know? Yeah. I mean, everybody, not everybody, but there's a lot of people that when you don't, understand the connection between your mind and your body and all of this stuff. You just think that your body is this vessel that has these chemicals that's completely separate from how you're thinking and feeling. But, you know, your, your thoughts and your feelings are affecting and a part of your nervous system. And when your nervous system is in what they call the, the system or, um, what am I saying? Sympathetic nervous system. I can't remember. <laughs> it's late at night. But anyway, when your nervous system is basically turned on, meaning reacting, putting out fires, kind of going, 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 which a lot of us can be in a, in a very, um, you know, 90% of the time, we're just on going, 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 that cortisol is up. All of those stress chemicals are up. And when that is the, the mode of operation and you don't give yourself the opportunity to sink into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is meditation and sleep and rest, which, you know, the, the culture of, of guys that are hustling and I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like you're just kind of running all of these stress chemicals through your body. And when, when that comes into play, that's your mind, that's your thoughts, that's your beliefs, that's creating cortisol, that's creating stress, that's creating these chemicals that are deteriorating your body over time. Like your, your thoughts and your beliefs and the stuff that you allow to weigh on you will drag you down eventually. And it's, it's important to, to see that connection because I didn't see that connection even when I got, got it into this rabbit hole that I mentioned when I got married. Like I thought that was like, your body is your body and your mind is your mind and they're separate things. And the more that I learn, the more I see that like all of this stuff is connected. So when I feel stressed, I almost get stressed about figuring out how to deal with my stress. Like, like, okay, I'm feeling stressed, whether it be the kids stuff or work stuff or business stuff. Like I know I need to go meditate right now because it's important for me to let some of this stuff go. Um, and having tools like meditation or even getting a quick workout in, or like you said, with the poetry, having some place where you can let some of that stuff go. It, it just kind of, it's, it's our own, our own version of medication. So you don't have to take an antidepressant or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with the medication if it's something that's absolutely necessary, but there are tactics to, to tackle some of these things that can prevent some of those physical uh, you know, ailments that tend to bog us down. And it's important that we know about these things in order to, to implement them. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice, man. So speaking of advice, let's talk about that. What, uh, we've got all kinds of men that listen, uh, you know, wide age of a wide range of ages and backgrounds, but what would you say is the most important advice that you have for men? 
Oh man, man, man. Um, I, I think one of the big things that I would say is, is kind of what we've been speaking to this whole time is, is giving yourself permission to feel and giving yourself the, the green light to say like, I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling worried or I'm feeling anxious and not feeling any kind of judgment about that because you know, on the spectrum of masculinity and femininity, yes, emotions would fall into what we would call a feminine trait. But we are not just masculine. We, we are a balance of both. We are men that have masculine energy and feminine energy. It's important to play around in both fields. I think we're centered in the masculine, but having some time in the feminine where we get to feel our emotions, it's like a yin to our own yang. And that gives us a lot of space to process some of the stuff that we've been talking about. And I, I think a lot of guys just block that part of themselves out and they miss out on a very large chunk of life because as I've said, as I said to the guy that I spoke to today, who's now my client, success is a feeling. It's not a tangible item. Like you, you don't, success is not the money in your bank account. It's the security that you feel or success is not the marriage or the person in front of you. It's the love that you feel from that person. And if you don't know how to feel or won't allow yourself to feel success is always going to feel like it's, it's, it's apart from you and separate from you. So that's another reason that feeling is important. Yeah. Your mental health is important, but in terms of experiencing the most that you want while you're here, feeling is important. And I think a lot of guys just don't see that as valuable. So that would be the main thing. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, we talked a little bit about masculinity and, and kind of digging into being a man or whatever that is. And I, I think that it's really important for guys to not just assume that being a man is one specific thing, that it can be many things. Like you mentioned poetry and, you know, some people might think of poetry as girly or whatever, but like, if that's something that's valuable to you, cool. As long as you're doing the things that you're supposed to do as a man, you're providing, you're pr protecting, do some poetry. For me, it's something I joked about in my book as well was I'm not a handyman. I, I very rarely hang something level. Like I, <laughs> it's just not something that I do well innately. I'm learning because we've owned two homes in our time being married. So I'm learning for sure. But I always looked at my lack of handiness as this, this lack of manliness, the lack of masculinity. I should know how to build stuff. And it, was, it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe a year or two into my own journey that I realized like being a man, there are certain parts of being a man and being masculine that are important. Being a provider, being a protector, being someone that's guiding and leading and taking care of their people I think are essential, but the brand in which you fall into those categories, it's, it's so variable and so out there that I, I just want to communicate to men, like be who you are. Don't feel like you have to be the fifties version of a man. Don't feel like you have to be who your dad was. And that's who you think being a man has to be. Everybody has their own brand of masculinity of their own brand of manhood. And to try to box yourself into something that just isn't you I think is is a disservice to who you are, disservice to who you're trying to show up for. Because frankly, for me, like I was joking about the handiness thing, if I got overly obsessed with trying to be a handyman so that I could be a better man for my wife, I'd probably spend more time doing that than I would allocate that time for my coaching or for the stuff that I know I do well and the things that are my genius, which actually brings an in income for my family and makes me feel in purpose, on purpose. Um, and that would take away from what I am and who I am for my family. So I think it's really important to not get stuck in any conditioned box that we think we're supposed to be as a man, but just allow ourselves to be who we are while fulfilling the roles that that traditional masculine kind of calls us to be, if that makes sense. It does. That actually makes me think, I love to draw the comparison between Mr. T and Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Yeah, You know, Mr. T and Mr. Rogers have a lot in common. Their first name is both Mr. They both love their mama. They both love Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, but they couldn't be more different than each other, but they're both manly men, you know? Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Different brands. And I mean, I'd love to have dinner with either of them if I could, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, they both, they both do what they do very well because they're not trying to be anyone else. 
Could you imagine if Mr. Rogers was trying to be someone that built houses or, or made, you know, custom furniture or something, or if Mr. T tried to be Mr. Rogers and roll up with his sweater on and, and try to <laughs> navigate the neighborhood, like be who you are and know that that is enough. Just fulfill the roles that, you know, we, we spoke to before within who you are and allow that to be like a beautiful expression of, of manliness along the way. I love it. I love it. Any more advice? Uh, last one I'll say is have fun. Allow yourself to have fun. My good God. Like I, there are so many guys. Cause there's this thing that I send out to every guy that ends up working with me as we kind of start the process, kind of rating certain areas of their life from one to five or one to 10 or something. And one of them is fun. What's your level of fun that you're having in your life. And I can't tell like the average let's just say it's one to five. The average uh, response for that is like a one or a two, because I think fun is something that's so devalued because of all of the rigid, uh, rigid and serious, you know, nature of what we think it means to be a man, a husband. There's so many important things. And I'm like, they are important. All the stuff that we're called to do as men, very important. But having fun is important too. And having fun gives value to all those other things because we're bringing more life to it. Um, so yeah, I would just remind guys that allow yourself to have fun, especially if you have kids, if you have a wife and, and you want to keep living life in a way that kind of fills you up and fills them up. If you're just this serious dude, that's only worried about, you know, paying the mortgage and mowing the lawn and, and you know, whatever other serious task you put on your list, you're going to be a, a dull dud. And um, I know that you don't want that, sir, who is listening. So just allow yourself to do things that spark joy and fun in your life and not take everything so seriously. I think that's probably the best advice I've heard all day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Hey, so if people want to know more about what you're doing at the Evolved Man, what's the best way for them to connect with you? I would say a good place to start is we have a free Facebook group on Facebook called the Evolved Man Cave. Um, so that would be a, a good spot to hop in. We do weekly trainings in there. Facebook lives like 10 to 15 minutes based on what the guys in the group are asking for. So it's, sometimes it's relationship stuff. Sometimes it's, you know, mindset stuff. But every single week we're doing a live training in there. So that's a good place to start. You're going to get some free content and really understand what Evolved Man is all about. Um, and just more uh, of me personally, I'm just... Nick Maytash, N-I-C-K-M-A-T-I-A-S-H on Facebook and on Instagram. So I'm pretty easy to find in, in those regards. I'm pretty consistent about putting things out so that I can stay in the ears and eyes of, of the guys that need me around. Um, so yeah, I would say any of those three things would be a good place to start. And then, like I said, a couple of times, I, I have written a book called Moving Past Mediocre. And I don't, well, sure, I'll pat myself on the back. I don't think of the best writer in the world, but I think that I take, like I was saying before, with the whole, my experience of education, being able to communicate things that are difficult or hard to understand in, in ways that make sense. I think that's a gift that I have. And I believe that comes through in moving past mediocre because it really just lays out the way that your mind works, subconscious mind, conscious mind, and how to kind of unravel some of the stuff that you've been carrying around that doesn't serve you anymore. So that would be another place that you can go and get some, some content from me that might be valuable to you as well. Awesome. We appreciate it very much. And we'll make sure to check it out. Nick, I appreciate you having on the show, man. This is a fantastic conversation. Yeah, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on and again, being patient with me hopping on, but uh, as always, any, any conversation that is about, you know, masculinity and healthy masculinity and just, you know, what it looks like to be a, um, a loving leader in, in family and in life. Uh, I'm always down for it. So I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. See you. Yeah. Nick had shared some excellent thoughts with us guys, some things that we need to really chew on a little bit. You know, when my brother was a kid, we were taking a car trip and he was really little and you know, it's mid afternoon at this point and he's chewing on something. We couldn't figure out what it was. And I remember my dad said, what are you eating, Jake? And he said, bacon. And mom said, where did you get bacon? And he had taken the bacon from breakfast and shoved it in his cheeks like tobacco and just pulled it out and chewed it when he wanted wanted to. <laughs> Saved it all day. So, you know, guys, all of this good stuff that Nick gave us, let's let that be like our... Um, 
our bacon chew that we pull out and we chew about and we think on and let this be something good, guys, that sinks in and really makes a difference in our life. If you are appreciating what you're seeing here at Manlyhood, please go to the Manlyhood store, grab a shirt, grab a book, grab a resource. We've got more resources coming soon. We've got a Patreon that will be launching soon. And we've got sponsors, guys. If you check out uh, the show notes, please support our sponsors and let them know that you heard about this through Manlyhood so that they can know and be excited about what's happening here as well. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. And you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast. Cast.